Thank you so much, Peter, for taking the time today and coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I've been listening to your podcast for a while and definitely consider it uh, one of the best in the uh, in the crypto space, if not the best. I know you and Pomp have a little feuding and I've had you both on the show now, so I got to be a little careful. Uh, a little no, friendly feuding. You know that, yeah, that's just friendly. That's me just uh, teasing him. Um, he's like, he's in terms of what he does, he's a superstar. He he knows exactly what he's doing. He's been very successful, but I I just like to wind him up. Yeah, so I mean, I want to talk about your, you know, all the stuff that you're doing. You're you're obviously putting out a ton of content as well, and it seems like it's it's rapidly growing. Uh, you've got you know what Bitcoin did, and I want to talk about what Bitcoin's done. We're recording here on uh, the seventeenth of December, and uh, it's been a pretty wild twenty four hours or so. We're sitting at around twenty three and a half thousand dollars per Bitcoin. Uh, but maybe a good place to start actually would be kind of talking about how you got started with the podcast in the first place. Um, and we can kind of talk about some of that stuff. And I know now you have another podcast called Defiance. I saw you're actually launching another one soon uh, and as well as like a newsletter. Um, so would love to hear kind of how this whole, you know, suite of content has kind of come together for you over time. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting thing because I probably should just focus on the Bitcoin podcast and yeah, just do that and be happy. But I just, I'm just, it's in me. I'm, I'm just somebody who likes to build businesses and I like growth. And um, so I just have this appetite to do more, uh, to, to build a business and also just to challenge myself. Um, yeah, Bitcoin is great, but when you start to touch on sisters topics or other topics that you think people in Bitcoin might like, but take you into like a whole other areas of interest it just broadens your kind of horizon and and understanding of the different type of people out there you know i think you can get very blinkered in the world of bitcoin of you know one kind of almost like uh laser focused in a certain kind of like expectation of what you want to happen to the world and you expect everyone else to think like you but it's just not that way uh so doing other types of content or topics that it just broadens my kind of scope of people i can talk to it broadens my understanding of the world um and it just challenges me so yeah i just have this this burning appetite to do other things and it seems like one of you know you mentioned you have a number of interests outside of bitcoin and, and i can certainly appreciate that like bitcoin has been fascinating for me over the last um you know i was paying attention for the last few years since you know before the 2017 peak uh, but really in the last year started really getting on board. And fortunately, it seems like the timing for that was pretty good. Um, nice. So, you know, it seems like you're also interested, though, in, you know, as another category, maybe uh, like controversial figures or, um, you know, people who uh, may deserve to have their voice heard, in my opinion. And I think probably yours do deserve to have their voice heard. I think pretty much anyone deserves to be able to tell their story and have people listen and see for themselves what they think and gather the appropriate information and everything. Um, is that right? That that's kind of a special interest that you have, like speaking to uh, some of the controversial people who may have been kind of dismissed by society, but deserve to kind of tell their story. Yeah. It's usually, it's usually the story I'm interested in more than the person. Um, and the person could be wrapped into the story. Like I was very interested in telling the story of Ghislaine Maxwell. Now that was produced by somebody else on Defiance, but I was very interested in telling that story because everyone has talked about the story from Jeffrey Epstein, but I just thought it was super interesting to look at it from her angle. You know, how is this uh, very kind of like successful socialite from the UK whose father was you know, controversial, 
mostly successful publisher, but in the end was a bit of a criminal. How did she end up becoming um, complicit in what appears to be you know, some very serious crimes against young women? And you know, I really wanted to tell that story. Um, I, I thought that was interesting, but it is always a story. Like I say, I, I'm re- I was really interested uh, this year in what's going on in the US elections. Um, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm always drawn to the story, usually more than the person, but sometimes there are also individuals I, I, I do want to tell the story of as well. It's, it's a mixed bag, but it's, it's it, I, te- I guess I just see something and I think I, I, I want to look into that. I want to, I want to make, I want to research that and make a story about that. I also did one about this heavy metal band, which was completely, um, completely off track. Um, I, they, this band were in a bus crash when was it five years ago and they took four years to get back on stage and the driver died the drummer lost his leg but to me it was a fascinating story so yeah yeah i'm just i am i'm drawn to stories man and did you have like a background in any of this before the podcast and you know digging into stories and uh i'm just curious like you know when you started with what bitcoin did you know as your first you know brand that really hit it hard um like what what brought you to that in the first place i guess what brought you to bitcoin as the first area of interest specifically and then secondarily like podcasting as the medium yeah so i've I've told this story a few times um so bitcoin itself was you know it just came it came into my life a couple of times i you know heard about it in 2017 i used it uh on the silk road i traded a bit on um cfd website but never really spent any time like understanding what bitcoin is or what it means i I had no idea it was like some special decentralized currency i had no idea of the uh, austrian economics and all the kind of ideas that people have uh you know regarding fiat money it just never crossed my mind i just it was a tool for me to use and then yeah and then i forgot about it and and then about at the end of 2016 start 2017 you know I, i discovered it again and and this time i'm you know it was a time in my life where i had nothing on i you know quit work um i was uh, spending time with my mother who was sick and um yeah i discovered it again but this time i went a little bit deeper and just by a weird series of events i ended up at some retreat in italy uh spent a lot of time with this podcaster named rich roll very successful podcaster he's a vegan ultra athlete um and i met up with him again in los angeles and i i said to him you know i'm thinking of doing a podcast like how do you do it and he told me and bought the equipment and just went off and made my first episode. And there's never really been a plan up until recently. Originally it was just a podcast, not a business. Um, It became a business over the last kind of 18 months, but just released one show and then another show. And here we are three years later. And I've probably across both podcasts done over 350 episodes, but look, how, how many shows have you done now, Jake? Uh, This is probably like my 35th recording. I, I launched 31st today. Yeah, so you 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 did your first one and you did your second. Here you are at thirty five, and before you know it, three years will have passed, and you'll have done a couple of hundred. It just kind of happens that way, and it's a it's a strange thing, really, isn't it? Yeah, they definitely start to fly by, and it's an interesting thing because like they're it's such a unique thing to do. I mean, you know, everything's unique in a certain way, but uh, the fact that you know I, I'm not doing this for money at this point i certainly hope to monetize it at some point in the future with like a big enough following and everything like that but uh and it sounds like it it took you some time to kind of get there as well but the fact that you can do this and just kind of have conversations with people that you're interested in and you know a ton of people can listen not just like while you're talking but 
basically for all of eternity as long as like these podcast platforms are up and and the the streaming you know the the episode itself stays up it's just a pretty wild concept that like myself you know I, I came from like a financial background totally nothing related to to any of this i mean i guess the bitcoin piece overlaps a little bit but in terms of like being a creator and you know generating money on the internet and and everything like that it's a totally different world and i've just been fascinated like you said you know the first 10 episodes were like one at a time a lot of focus um kind of you know i still i don't know if it's like this for you but it's, it's quite nerve-wracking uh heading into to each episode because like i have some stuff prepared but at the same time you know you want to be spontaneous so there's all this stuff that goes into the podcast um but like you said you know i'm 30 35 episodes in now and they just start to really flow by and, and i'm just kind of you know taking them one step at a time but but flowing through them pretty quickly uh as you kind of launched the defiance one and then you know this this next one that you're going to launch as well I, I don't know if you've released what it's necessarily about i just saw the tweet from a few days ago um what was your mindset on like you know doing those as separate brands rather than folding it into one thing uh and calling it you know maybe you change the name from what bitcoin did to you know naming it after yourself or something like that yeah, see, I've I've wrestled with this a lot. Sometimes I wish I'd have just called it the McCormack Show to begin with, because then I could have just done anything I wanted, right? I could have just had any of interviews I wanted to do, but because it was what Bitcoin did, the show kind of has to be about Bitcoin, and and it's been successful because of that. A few times I've thought of changing it. I've always come back and thought, no, stick with it. It's a Bitcoin show. You've got you know one of the biggest shows. Just stick with it. But I also there is this difficulty where if somebody doesn't know bitcoin or doesn't understand bitcoin they can be quite dismissive of it so i just felt like i needed to separate the two things uh you know one one is a show which is about bitcoin but really is also a bit about me because it's you know the way i drive the show but defiance i wanted to be like a media brand which is separate for me you know i brought on other producers other people were producing work for that um and and generally the idea is just to build up a, a, a essentially a media company you know go from a podcast to a media company i'm hoping like like you noted i'm hoping to launch a third podcast this year it's going to be a technology one um but looking again there will be the crossover of bitcoin but kind of more some of the weird things that are going on with technology ai stuff dystopian surveillance stuff bitcoin will be in there as well um, and I just feel like that'd be a nice extension of um, of the brands. And I'm also launching, a, hopefully launching an email brand, well, I am, in February as well. But yeah, I guess I'm just building up a team and a company, and, and which is kind of, it's always been my way of just naturally trying to build things. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. I saw you brought like, are you bringing Willie Wu on board to to help out with the team as well? Yes. So I've got three. I've got... Willie Wu, Lynn Alden, and uh, Shinobi all coming on to kind of help with the show. Um, uh, because I, what I wanted to do is like have some regular people on to cover specific subjects. To, and, and the idea is like, I have a Bitcoin show, but if you think of a podcast, a podcast can really be like a TV channel or a radio station rather than a single show. Essentially, you own the platform and what comes out on it. It's, if you think like uh, if you think like TV channels, they have a range of shows on them, right? And you can do the same with a podcast. So it was kind of taking it to that next step, whereby I can have 
start having shows that come out on, on the same feed, but are things that people can attach themselves to a bit like, look, Rogan's been brilliant at this. You know, he does his MMA shows and he does his uh, normal shows. He does his other bits and I never listen to the MMA. I've got no interest, but I will listen to his other interviews. And I think perhaps that's kind of what I'm trying to do with this. Maybe there's some people who don't like my show, but will listen to the tech ones, but now they've got a regular monthly tech update. So, yeah, I mean, it's just to try and expand out what, what the show does and, you know, the, the content I'm putting out there. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think, like, I, I've personally thought about the channel, you know, comparison and kind of I'm almost surprised even that there hasn't been some collaboration where people have come together to create, uh, you know, a, a series of podcasts or like a curation of podcasts where, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you go to the channel and you can trust that, they're curating content that you're interested in if you like that channel in general. And it might be, you know, some of your podcasts, some of Pomp's podcasts, some of Rogan's podcasts, whatever it is. And you might not be interested in whatever's on at that time and you can tune into something else and like might not be great to tune in in the middle of the podcast, but it's a very new medium still. You know, Rogan's been doing it for what, 10 or 15 years, maybe. I'm not exactly sure, but uh, he's the number one in the world. And you know, it's a pretty simple thing. Like he's sitting in a, in his studio. Uh, the, the audio, the, the visual is pretty basic. The audio is pretty comparable to, to what you and I are doing right now. Um, and so I think podcasts have a ways to develop and anyone who's kind of exploring to see what that might be. Um, I think it's definitely, definitely pretty interesting. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a really interesting space, and there's a it's very competitive now. There's a lot of podcasters in the space that have come out over this last certainly this last few months since COVID started, but also the last year. Um, so I think sometimes you have to also innovate. Uh, I'm always trying to innovate what I do. Um, another thing, like uh, going back to what you were saying earlier about um, where you said about you prep questions, and sometimes you just let it flow. Um, it is a craft. You can't just put on you know, press the start button and start asking questions and recording and have a conversation. But also there is a craft to it. If you want to develop it, you can work on your craft. You can work on the structure of your interviews. Maybe you work on a style of maybe teasing people, like teasing certain information out of people. Um, I spent time looking and studying how you know, other interviewers work and, uh, you know, I am self-critical. Um, and I, I just think it, it's not a bad thing to keep, looking at what you're doing and try and reinvent yourself yeah i totally agree and i think there's certain like um you know consistent threads that you can latch on to like so for you it seems to me like you know i I'm, i don't know you from like from everyday life or anything like that but it seems that you're like very real on the show and no bs uh and that's certainly like a big part of how i think about it too like i could certainly put on like a super you know uh whatever uppity kind of voice and, and like make it into like a whole scene but it's like i'd rather just have like a pretty straightforward conversation with people and i think it, it leads to like a more genuine kind of set of set of subjects too and people share like their honest perspectives um what, what do you think like you know on the subject of refining your craft uh you've been doing this for for at least a couple of years now like you said uh what are a few of the things that you know you've really kind of tried to find the balance with uh, and, and if that's a little bit too vague, I can give you like an example. No, no, I, 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 I know of. what you're saying. So when I first started, I used to have all my questions in advance ready. Uh, and then I, what I'd find myself doing is focusing on the questions and not on the guest and missing the conversation. 
So then I switched it up to then have um, just go, go into an interview without anything prepped, knowing what I want to talk about. Um, but it, with that, then I found that I didn't read, I missed some topics I wanted to cover. So now I kind of have a mix. I, I, I have a, a dual screen setup. I, um, and because I used to do a lot of my interviews in person, which is very difficult to do with a list of questions in front of you. Now, when you're in front of a computer screen, I can have my questions on one screen and you know, be talking to the person through the other screen. But, but now I'm trying to build really solid, good interviews that people just really enjoy. So I've realized I have to go back to doing a lot of preparation now, but that's something I've wrestled with back and forth with that. Also length of shows. Sometimes, you know, I can record with somebody for three hours and really enjoy it. And then another time I can be 30 minutes in and think, God, I can't wait for this to end. You know, trying to, trying to get the timing and, and the quality of the interview, right. It is a real challenge. I would say to people, like some people just go, Oh, it's so fucking easy what you do. I'd say, go and try it. It, it isn't as easy as you think to produce something, which is sounds good, which is engaging, which is entertaining, you know, and, and to cover all the tech stuff. If you think it's easy, go, go and try it because because it isn't. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. I mean, it's uh, first of all, it's refreshing to like hear that perspective from you. We're, we're thinking about a lot of the same things, and obviously, you've you've done it and it's worked for you uh, already, uh, or at least it's it's shown a lot of traction. Um, you know, so far, uh, some of these trade offs that, I, and I think of it all as like trade offs, right? So you talk about like the amount that you're going to prepare. Uh, and like the episode length, those, you know, correlate with or negatively, I guess, with, you know, the frequency that you release podcasts as well. If you're going to prepare five, six hours per podcast, you can't record, you know, three a day. And maybe that's a little bit extreme, or maybe you have some other stuff that you have to do or whatever it is. But I definitely started off the same way as you. I think it's, um, you know, for me, it was like, I'm, I'm not going to like make a fool of myself. So I'm going to prepare and I'd much rather over prepare. Um, but since then I haven't gone the exact extreme opposite of, of doing the not like no preparing really. And, and just kind of going with the flow thing. Uh, but yeah, I'm definitely can... trying to find like the medium. And I think Rogan talked about it actually pretty well. He, he called it like a dance and, uh, you know, it's, it's tough and every partner is different and, and it's, there's no one formula to get it right. Yeah. That's a really good way of putting the, the dance. Also, it is a good interview is actually mentally tiring. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever had it, but you've come off one. And you've just got to have a little walk, have a bit of a breather. So doing two two in a day is doable. Again, challenging. I can't do three in a day. If I try and do a third one, the third one will suffer. Um, I think one a day is optimum. But but I can do, like I said, I can do two if needed. Have you ever done three in a day? No, I've never done two in a day. Uh, oh. fr- and frankly, like one of the ways I look at it that's a little bit different, I think, is that. Um, and, you know, this is another set of trade-offs, but uh, I know that at this point, at least no one cares, you know, no one's tuning in because of me. People are tuning in because of my guests. And I've been very fortunate to get awesome guests like yourself. Um, and so I focus on really, you know, appeasing the guest as much as the audience. And sorry for everyone listening, but, uh, you know, I, I want to feed the guest questions, not to like, you know, just totally sugarcoat them or, or whatever it is, like lay up stuff. I want them to say, like, I started my interview with Roger Veer. I asked him what it was like, you know, on his first day of jail. And that was my first question out of the gates. And I thought it was probably one of the best interviews I've started so far. Um, so, like, I'm not, I'm not letting anyone, anyone off the hook. But at the same time, I'm trying to do, like, diligent preparation and everything like that. And it feels to me that, you know, to do 
three podcasts in a day certainly is just like at that point I'm kind of just a machine and like it's it's not as as thoughtful maybe and you know no offense to anyone who's doing that but um I do think that like at the very least I think it's worth like committing uh, a large part of my day to the guest that's willing to come on and share the time with me yeah it's a good point you've made but what one of the things that I kind of realized with doing this is that um like I'm ambitious I want to get bigger bigger interviews I want to interview you know more high profile people and yeah, a lot of that comes down to the downloads. You know, if you've got a popular show, it becomes a bit easier. Um, and one of the things I was kind of looking at with other people is like, why, you know, Rogan can get Edward Snowden on and he will get 10 million downloads. I could get Ed Snowden on and I'll get 30,000. I might, I doubt I would, but I might even do a better interview. But just just for the sake of argument, let's say I can do a better interview. Yeah, the no, reason I, he's getting... I, I totally get where, you, where you're going. Go ahead though. Yeah. So well, what, what I'm getting at is like people have bought into Rogan, like as a person, a brand, who he is, what he stands for. So whilst I agree with what you're saying, I think at some point, Jake, you've got to bring your personality out and, and have people buy into you. Like uh, not everyone buys into me, of course, it's, that's impossible to do. But I, I think what I've tried to do is say, look, this is, this is my focus, my style. I am somebody who is uh, particularly interested in certain topics. I'm not uh, dogmatic about anything. Um, I don't understand a lot of the detail of what people are doing. So I'm just going to come in as this, this kind of like innocent, curious guy with a bunch of questions. And when you tell me something I don't understand, I'm going to say, explain it. Uh, and, and I've essentially built a brand around that. Um, so my focus really, like after a while, what was to have people kind of buy into what I'm doing. And I think you're going to have to probably consider doing something similar. Yeah. And I might've kind of misspoke or, or, um, you know, miscommunicated a little bit earlier. I actually totally agree with what you're saying. I think, you know, I'm 30 episodes in. So anyone who comes and listens to my fifth episode, unless it's like my mom or my girlfriend, she's coming for the guest. Uh, but you know, later on, you certainly have to, you know, I think you get people in the door for the guest and maybe, you know, they don't come back, uh, not for any particular reason, but they kind of have their podcast that they already like and listen to. Uh, but then they see another guest and they come back and they're like, I've listened to this podcast twice now. I actually really like it. Uh, you know, now I'm going to subscribe. Now I'm going to come listen to this guy and, you know, have, you know, all of his episodes on my feed. And just like Rogan, you know, I, I doubt there's too many people. Uh, I certainly wouldn't want to listen to to all of his episodes. He, he's a machine and he puts out, uh, you know, two, three hour episodes, like four or five times a week. But I've listened to a lot of his episodes, like you said, and I've never listened to an MMA. I listened to like a Snowden or a Kanye West. Um, so I think there's actually a really interesting conversion that happens over time where as you do, you know, like you mentioned, it's, you know, in the beginning, it's not as much about the quality of the episode. It's about like strictly what your base kind of already is. Uh, and so even if you do a better interview with Snowden, you know, more people are going to listen to Rogan because he's, he's got a bigger platform. Um, but, and over time you can kind of develop that platform, I think. And it sounds like that's, that's what you're saying where over time, you know, it's more and more dependent on the host and less and less dependent on the guest. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You should, you should say that. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Um, do you do one or two a week? Uh, podcasts like recording. Yeah. Uh, I've recorded pretty much between like one and four 
since I've started. Uh, typically, no, two I mean release. Like, do do you have a like a release day, or do you just release them when they're done? Pretty much, I've been trying to do Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, but yeah. it's you know when you stick to like a specific time, it's it's actually easier for me to just like record to a week than to post them at the specific time, especially because I'm doing. I get the guest's approval and have them listen. And I could probably skip that. But again, it's just kind of trying to treat my guests with some respect. Um, what but, have you found? Is there anything you found particularly challenging yourself with it all? Um, I think the biggest thing for me, which we kind of touched on earlier is, and you know, I should say it's pretty fun to, to have the interview turned around. This, this hasn't happened really before, but uh, it's interesting to me finding the balance and preparation because um, I had, so like some of my earlier guests I was excited about, Vitalik came on for the fourth episode. Um, wow. Keith, Keith Raboy came on for, um, you know, I think the 13th episode. Uh, I spoke with Balaji recently as well. Those are some guys who like were at the very top of the list of people that I wanted to have on the podcast. Um, I was fortunate to get them early. I'm like, I'm going to spend a lot, you know, I'm already very familiar with their perspectives and I've consumed a lot of their content. Uh, I kind of studied, you know, the things that they're interested in. Um, but when I have them on the show, you know, I got to get fresh and I got to be on top of my game. And so for like a top guest that I care about, uh, I'm spending multiple days, you know, if not almost a week, like digging in and just kind of become, you know, getting in their brain basically. Um, and I'm way Dude, over prepared. Episode four, get in Vitalik. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So that must have um, felt good. Yeah, it, it was really cool. And, you know, I can't thank him enough uh, for he's been helpful in, in a couple of ways, actually. Um, and, you know, coming on, like, he's just a really good dude. I think, I, I don't know, have you talked to him at all or, or on your podcast? Yeah, I have. So I clashed with him a little bit because I tend to clash with people. I saw the, the loan thing. No, that that was a joke. I actually emailed him afterwards, and I said, "You do realize which, this is just a bit of fun and games." And he <laughs> replied back. He said, "Yeah, it's just some fun." He he gets it. Like it's yeah, just yeah. the Twitter banter. No, I clashed with him on some things um, on Twitter before. I actually wrote to him and apologized. I said, "You know what? I called that wrong, and I'm sorry." And then he, he's been on the show twice. Um, he had a debate with Samson Mao, and then I did a tech show um about ethereum versus bitcoin and i'm, I'm gonna have him on again um just to talk about bitcoin i'd love to get his insights into bitcoin i think he's a fascinating person um whether i agree with ethereum or not so relevant or just as an individual he's fascinating the way he thinks and you know, what he's trying to do um I, i'm not a fan of ethereum but but those getting those big guests getting landing those that it's it's a it's a really good feeling isn't it when you get somebody say yes i'll do it somebody because i don't know about you but you get a lot of no's or you get the blanks where you've emailed them and there's no reply i, I mean i you know i had a lot of those and that never ends by the way because you, all you ever do is you go up the food tree trying to get more and more high profile people but it's a good feeling when you get a big interview that you've been looking for oh yeah it's it's awesome and uh and i think i've been if I've been successful in any area, like I like to think that I do a good interview. Um, but certainly like from an objective standpoint, people have been pretty surprised by the guests I've had on in my first 30 episodes or so. And, you know, I could even probably be a little more restrictive, but I have certain people on that. I'm just interested in like, I I'm interested, I guess, in more people um, than the caliber that I'm willing to have on in terms of like their following and notoriety at this point. Uh, because of what we talked about, like at this early stage, people are coming for the guests, but I'm looking forward down the line 
to opening that up a little bit more and, you know, being able to speak with, uh, you know, friends first and foremost, and just people who, you know, aren't well known and actually flipping the script a little bit where uh, no longer am I kind of having the name bring people into the podcast and, and their following bring it in, but actually trying to pass my following on to people that I can kind of discover. Yes, I think it's a fascinating thing to also just test yourself. Yeah, because it, one of the things you have to do is if you're going to be a podcaster and do a lot of interviews, you have to have a lot of broad knowledge, a lot of broad questions, and also some thick skin. I mean, I don't know if you're in the area where you get criticism yet, but um, but when people are, people can be really critical, and that's that that can be a you know, challenge to deal with that. Um, you know, when you're doing an interview, I, I don't listen back to mine anymore. I used to, and I just used to frustrate me. I was like, why the hell did I say that? Or why didn't I ask this? And, you know, and other people listen to it and they're like, oh, you're an idiot. Why didn't you ask that? But it's, it's a real challenge to go through all these different broad subjects and, and to be able to, to do the guest uh, justice by, by being prepared, by giving them an aging, uh, an engaging conversation. Um, I always like talking to other podcasts just, just to hear the journey they're going through as well, because, you know, we're kind of all in this together in some way. Yeah. And I mean, in the one sense we are in the other sense, I can, you know, I'm one of those new guys as of, you know, a few months ago that you mentioned the podcast world seems to be just growing like crazy. And even since I've started mine, I feel like I keep seeing so many people who are, who are starting a podcast. Uh, the way I try to think about it is that, you know, if podcast, like if, if podcast is kind of the audio form of a website or at the very least like a blog, um, it's, it's very hard to imagine the number of people out there consuming, uh, you know, both now and in the future. Uh, and so, you know, it would be like in, you know, maybe 1999 or 2002 or whatever year, I wasn't really of age at that point, but it would be like saying, oh, there's too many blogs now to be popular. And it's just like, that's kind of in retrospect, ridiculous. If you keep it up and become one of the stronger ones over time, you know, you'll gain a following and there's plenty of people out there. So I definitely try to take a, a perspective, which it sounds like you do as well. And, and, you know, you can tell from, from your banter with pomp and everything like that, uh, that, you know, there's, there's some, uh, it's reasonable to be kind of cooperative and podcasters help podcasters at the end of the day, you're only going to know, you know, a handful or, or a dozen or whatever. And there's thousands and, you know, maybe hundreds of thousands out there. And so, uh, might as well help your team kind of grow along with you. Um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, just really digging into like the nitty gritty on the podcast process on, on your end. Uh, you mentioned like you don't listen to the podcast anymore afterwards. Uh, that's something I've still been doing. Uh, partly just, you know, curiosity and, and to know sometimes I get off a podcast. I'm like, ah, that was like, you know, not a great one. And then I'll listen and I'll be like, oh, wow, that was actually like pretty solid. Um, and on the other hand, sometimes I get off and, you know, when you just like have a really you know, whether the audience likes it or not, you just kind of crushed it in your own mind and had a really great conversation with someone, uh, super interesting topics. They really, you know, got very sincere and responding and everything like that. Uh, and so I'll get off and I'll be pumped and then I'll listen back. And I'm like, eh, you know, it's pretty good. Um, but you, you don't really listen anymore. It sounds like, so where, you know, how do you, so that's like an hour for every podcast that I record. That's, you know, that's a significant part of the process. Um, do you engineer them yourself? Yeah, I don't really do very much editing at all, though. Uh, ideally, I do none. I just cut the beginning, uh, put intro and outro music. I don't do any like pre-cut, you know, I don't talk before to the audience or anything like that. Like this is going to start 
when I said like, you know, thanks Peter for, for coming on the show and everything like that. So it's, it's low maintenance. And, and personally, when I listen to podcasts, I just kind of skip that part anyway. Uh, so I just want to get right to the conversation. And if anyone else out there kind of appreciates that style, then that's kind of the way I roll. And on the other side, it saves me time. I don't have to do any editing or anything like that. So um, that's one area yeah. where I definitely save time. Well, because I have a uh, uh, producer works full time for me now. He, once the show's done, it goes to him. Um, and he lets me know if he thinks I've done something good or not done something so well. I just, I, it's that thing where you hate hearing your own voice. <laughs> like everyone suffers from it. It's that's like tough voice. That's yeah. tough for a podcaster. It's so tough. You're like, God, I sound like an idiot. Who the hell listens to me? Uh, so I, I just can't stand, can't stand to hear my own voice. So I can't, I can't listen back to mine because um, it just frustrates me. Uh, so my engineer does it and I trust him now. Another thing I did is I stopped listening to other podcasts about Bitcoin. I stopped that about a year ago because I found myself listening to all of them. And I found they were influencing what I was doing and the decisions I was making about who to interview. And I didn't want that. I wanted to just go on my own journey. So like I just stopped listening to other podcasts now. And what I tend to do is listen to podcasts which are in uh, on other topics so I, because I want to learn more about uh, from other uh, interviewers, their kind of style, what they're doing. And so, yeah, there's a few things I've done to just, just approach things differently. Do you listen to podcasts with your guests before they come on as a part of your preparation? Um, hmm, that's a tricky one. Usually not unless I need to specifically for a bit of research. So if I'm doing a, a specific subject and they've talked about that subject, then I'm, I will do to help prep. But otherwise, no, I'll, I'll, I'll avoid it. I, I kind of want to produce unique pieces of content. So I just, I just yeah, I, I avoid that. Why, is that something you do? Oh, yeah, 100%. And uh, it's, it's an interesting you know, contrast there. I think we've been in line on a lot of things. Um, for me, the reason is that people like Vitalik, you know, well, Vitalik might not be a great example because he actually has the blog where he does a fair bit of writing. Um, but someone who doesn't have an outlet besides like maybe Twitter, uh, which you, you can certainly scan Twitter for some questions, but, um, I find the podcast people share things that sometimes they even forget they've shared if it's like a few years ago. And if you kind of catch them off guard with something that, you know, is, is kind of interesting and that they are kind of curious how you even know about it. I think one, you know, it reflects positively, uh, on myself, uh, you know, in the guest's perspective. And I think whenever that happens, it actually makes for a better interview. It's not like a selfish thing. Like I want the, I mean, partly I, I would love the guest to think I'm great and everything like that. But <laughs> yeah. on the other hand, like, I think the more they kind of appreciate the work you've done in advance and everything like that, um, the better they like the more engaged they are and the better the actual conversation kind of ends up being. Uh, so that's, that's kind of my thoughts on, on listening to the podcast in advance. Uh, where, I guess, where do you get your questions? Is it, how, how much of it is based on like, uh, you know, researching kind of relentlessly the guest versus, um, you know, the latter half, which is something that I kind of under allocate, I think, which is kind of just sitting down and thinking like, all right, what's interesting to talk with this person about? Yeah. So I approach it differently. I usually know the topic and I'm pretty sure of the show title before I do the recording. Um, I, so for example, I'll, I'll, I'll get my list up cause I, I have my schedule here. So for example, uh, I've got 
an interview coming up with um sorry just bear with me one second so if, if this is a yeah so sorry just bear with me yeah I'm, I'm doing an interview with breed love in january and it's the sovereign individual we're going to cover that topic so I'm reading that book and keeping notes as I like read it. And then I'm going to put those notes into a structure, but my notes will be based around the questions of that. I want to put to him say, okay, you believe in X. So tell me how that happens. How does that work? It might be a case of, uh, I do an interview with Dan Hill. Say I'm going to do Bitcoin versus gold. He's done an email about that today. I'll go and read that email and then I'll put that into a structure. But I, I want, whereas, whereas Rogan, someone like Rogan released an interview, he says, I've interviewed this person and they're an expert in A, B, and C. Mine tend to be, oh, um, I'm a, um, here's, the, here's the subject, here's the guest, but it's going to be entirely based on that, uh, that subject. And I want it to feel like w- people are listening. They're going to be taken on a journey for, for a specific subject, ideally. Yeah, it's, that's very interesting and definitely very different. Um, and it actually makes sense going back to like what we, one of the things we started with, which I said, like, I kind of assumed that you were interested based on some of your podcasts that you're doing on Defiance and somewhat controversial characters. And you're like, actually, no, I'm interested in, you know, these stories and, and you know, having them talk about it. And it sounds like the same goes for, um, you know, all of your podcasts. You actually pick the subject first and foremost. Um, and obviously it's, it's based on the, the, the guest to some degree, but you just kind of want to talk about a specific subject or topic or story. And then this is a really good person to talk about it with. Yeah, well, yes, it can be mixed. It can be just people I do want to talk to. So, for example, I'd love to interview Eric Weinstein. I think he'd be a great interview. And I would pick the subject afterwards after I'd, I'd book someone like him. Um, but yeah, more often than not, I am led by the story I want to tell, uh, or the particular topic, but that usually is driven, but it's not a case of, I just want to do a subject that does happen, but what will happen is someone will write an article or release a book about a particular subject. And I'm like, yeah, that's a really good topic, right? I want to cover that. And I want to cover that with you. So for example, I interviewed Nick Barty recently because he's releasing a book called layered money. It was a great interview. Uh, I also did another one about the book, The Fourth Turning, which Brandon Quitton wrote a tweet thread about. Um, but I am drawn to the subject mostly, um, but it's not always. Like, there are certain guests I want to get as well. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I do want to talk about Bitcoin. I think people would be disappointed if they, if they tuned in and they didn't get any of that, especially uh, on a day like today. Uh, but before I kind of shift topics and on the subject of like, you know, not picking one topic, I tend to kind of go at least to a few uh, today. It sounds like we're, we're going to have at least a couple. Uh, but last question on like the podcasting front. Um, I heard you say, I think it was in, a, in the podcast with Pomp, uh, which was really cool. You guys both kind of did it and, and launched it on your own platforms and everything. Uh, I think it was there that you were talking about, um, you know, how ultimately your goal was really be able to do whatever the hell you want uh, and be able to say whatever the hell you want and talk to whoever the hell you want and not have to worry about like being canceled. Those, those are kind of my words, maybe not yours, but um, why can't you kind of do that? You know, from my perspective, like I have a long way to get to the level that your podcast is at now from where I am, but from where I'm sitting, it looks like you're at the level where you can do that. Do you feel that you can't? Well, yes and no. I mean, (laughs) financially you have to you have to be careful you know i'm um 
you know, my podcast is a business. Um, now that, that, that doesn't really stop me doing what I want because I can be quite reckless at times and get into fights and arguments over stupid things. Um, but I think just to, just to, uh, I call it completing the game to be financially in a position whereby you've got enough money to take you through to the end of life allows you to then have complete control over firstly your time. I think that's the most important thing. Like every day, pretty much I can get up and do what I want, which is a great thing. I mean, I work, but like if I want to get up tomorrow morning and go to the gym, I can go to the gym. I can just do that. That's really important to me, uh, having that control of your time. Um, I, I do though have run it as a business. I do have staff, so I have to hit a certain turnover. So I, I do have to be considerate about that. I can't be completely reckless. Um, but eventually, you know, you, you want to be in that position where no one can cancel you. That would be amazing. Um, people have tried to cancel me a few times, <laughs> three times this year, uh, which I've survived. Uh, but it's not a fun thing to go through because pe- people put pressure on. Again, we, get, we talk about Rogan a lot, but he's kind of like the he's kind of like the top of the tree, the person we all look to and see what he's doing. Yeah, he's ha- he hasn't had it plain sailing with Spotify. There's episodes that have supposedly been you know censored and and such and yeah he can't be cancelled but he's put in a tricky position and i know a lot of people especially in the bitcoin world they want everything to be totally free speech and i understand and support that but at the same time i think i i am there's certain things i don't do which maybe in hindsight is a good thing <laughs> certain things i don't do because i i do want to keep my business growing and i, I do want to you know, support my team and make sure they've still got a job next year. Right. So you talk about, you know, having an amount in your, I don't know if you have like a specific amount in your head that you kind of need to really not care anymore uh, about, you know, what you say or what you do um, for better or worse. It sounds like Uh, obviously Bitcoin is a part of, of the path to getting you there. And it sounds like a big part given that you're taking out a loan to to buy even more of it. Um, 23 and a half thousand, today i actually you know i don't have it up in front of me right now for all i know it's at like twenty six thousand as we're talking uh but what do you think you know what's going on right now uh you you called an all-time high this year now it's happened um we're up like a hundred percent in the last two months i think it is uh i have my own thoughts on where this is going to end up in the next year and then obviously the longer term vision as well um, would love to hear kind of, you know, I've heard you obviously talk about your thoughts on Bitcoin before, and I'm sure everyone has, but, uh, given where we are, like as of today, any changes, any kind of refined perspective? <laughs> no, I'm so fucking bullish, dude. Honestly, I'm so, bu- I'm so bullish. Um, everything is played out exactly as expected, really more or less. Um, you know, we've had a very challenging year with what's happened with COVID, but also just general unrest. Um, The world feels like the world feels like it's a very tense place right now. Um, So everything in terms of like the economics has been set up perfectly for Bitcoin. That's not, by the way, that's not a great thing. That means that, that if this all plays out as some people predict, there's gonna be a lot of pain for some people as we see, sovereign currencies inflate quite heavily but that's most likely going to happen um i've yeah i've just been i've been so ultra bullish this year because there's so many things that have just kind of clicked for me with bitcoin um one of the big things that clicked was like 
I used to think before I'm going to buy it and then, Oh, I'll sell it at this price. When it gets here, I'll sell some. I don't think like that anymore. I'm thinking of, of a place where I don't ever have to sell my Bitcoin. My Bitcoin is just something I, I use and spend. Therefore to me, it's just a long-term right now. It's a savings technology until it becomes more of a medium of exchange. But I, I myself am starting, I've seen other people do this. I'm like, what, what are you doing for? I now don't want to hold pounds or dollars. I want to hold Bitcoin. I'd like to get to the place, a place where I'm only paid in Bitcoin. Um, it's the best form of money. It's the, it's the one I want to hold. I don't want to hold. If I've got excess pounds in my bank, I'm, I'm converting them to Bitcoin. This is where the, 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 the loan came about. Some people are like, oh, he must be broke if he's doing that. It's no, it's not. I've been buying Bitcoin all year. There was a dip. I was like, shit, I want to buy some more. What loan can I get instantly? And I went onto my bank and straight away they said they'll within five clicks, we'll lend you thirty-five thousand pounds. Like, great, taking it. Give it, give it to me straight away. And I bought immediately. Very confident of where the price is going. Um, it's been an impressive few days. I could see us, you know, twenty-three and a half is interesting. Will we carry on going up? We could do, or will will it it might even dip back down to twenty. Who knows? But my long-term conviction is very strong. It's because the people coming into the market now aren't, there's a lot of people coming in now who aren't thinking about when they're going to sell it. These people who are buying a hundred million, 500 million of Bitcoin. They're not, they're not here to sell. They're hodlers. Now they're here to hold that Bitcoin for the long term, And that's also setting off this kind of chain reaction where lots of other companies and funds are thinking, well, if they're doing it, why aren't we? Should we do it? Let's have a look at it. Okay. Yes. I think we should do this. And that's why I think so much money is coming into it. Um, so my conviction is very strong. I, I wouldn't be surprised of a of a hundred thousand dollar Bitcoin next year at all. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. I did a pretty, you know, I, I used a few different methodologies, some my own and some others, like the uh, the stock to flow uh, by what's his name, uh, Plan B, Plan um, B. Uh, and that's you know he has like two hundred eighty eight thousand dollars, I think, pinned. Uh, everything I did came somewhere between like. 60,000 and 300,000. And that's like a huge range. But uh, even from where we are today, that's like 3x minimum. And you're talking about, you know, a year or so timeline, uh, phenomenal investment. I think the, the place where you and I may differ a little bit hearing your perspective just now, and also, you know, obviously, a bunch of times before is um, I'm a little bit wary of the existent- of any existential risk to Bitcoin. Uh, whether that's something that is known now or even can be known now, um, just because of the newness of it, it's you know ten or eleven years old now. Um, I don't know what happens if China uh, says you know to to a group of experts, here's a trillion dollars, go either kill Bitcoin or get us control of it. Um, I'm a little bit scared of like the possibility of a fifty one percent attack, which I think could be done for for far less money than that. What is your, do you have any concern of a total fail case for Bitcoin? Um, and I'm not, I'm not going for like a soundbite or anything like that. You don't have to even answer if you don't want to, but I'm no, just no, it's, it's, a, it's a great that. question. Look, there are about people out there who would be better answering that for me. <clears throat> I guess I'm aware the risks exist. You know, will China do a, you know, try and attack and take down Bitcoin? Will governments try and ban it? But I, I'm less concerned these days. I, I don't. I don't care about the bans anymore. I don't think Bitcoin's going to be banned. It might be heavily regulated, but I don't see it banned. And what I actually see is a very, very 
strong, large, tough, and resilient group of people behind Bitcoin. And I believe if anyone did try and attack it, they would find a way to defend it because they have time and time again. So I, I just don't see, I don't, I don't see a scenario where if Bitcoin becomes widely adopted, that China would try and destroy it because that's, that's potentially declaring war. I, I just don't see that scenario, but if it does, I would be confident that the people who work on Bitcoin would be able to defend that attack. I don't right. know how, but I just, I would be confident. Does it mean a change into, again, I would want somebody who understands this, like a Jimmy song. Does it mean a change to the mining algorithm? Does it mean a change to the equipment? You know, does Bitcoin go offline for a couple of days? That I don't know. If anything, I'm more worried about the implication of Bitcoin going offline for a few days because it has to defend an attack rather than the attack itself, because suddenly there's no money, <laughs> you know, suddenly there's no money. And that's, that, that is a, that is a scenario I'm not prepared for, but no, yeah, no, I'm not worried anymore. I used to, I used to worry myself to not invest and now I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. And and I, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm mostly in the same boat as you and that I have a a lot of my, my net worth in in Bitcoin um, uh, in terms of a percentage, it's actually not that much money. Um, But I'm also relatively young and appreciate that, you know, it depends on a person's risk tolerance as well as their understanding of Bitcoin. And you obviously have a, a very sophisticated understanding and, you know, a, a pretty tall risk tolerance. So, uh, you know, I think for anyone to tell anyone to like put all their money in, in Bitcoin or put 10% of their money in Bitcoin just blindly, I think doesn't make a lot of sense, but for anyone to take either of those strategies, uh, pretty much anything besides 0% allocation to Bitcoin, I think is reasonable. And anyone who thinks 0% is reasonable, uh, guys like you and I can probably have a, a pretty interesting conversation with if, if they'll have their ears open to us. Um, yeah. With that, I, I want to close out. I know, uh, you know we're coming up on time here, but it's been awesome talking with you, Peter. And you, and, man, uh, love this. Yeah, looking forward to, uh, to continuing to follow the podcast and hopefully we can uh, you know, keep in touch as we uh, continue our, our respective journeys. And, and hopefully next time we talk, Bitcoin will be... Uh, some freakish percentage higher than it is today yeah man well listen look thanks for having me on really enjoyed this it's great to talk to a fellow podcaster you know hear you going through some or experiencing some of the same challenges or having to think about some of the same things that i do um anything i can ever do for you just reach out to me man mm-hmm.